0: Hi, welcome to bovine science with bci i'm brad white and i'm joined today by dr bob larson morning bob hey good morning so we're happy to have you with us on this episode. We're going to talk about breeding and health of cattle, and so we're going to cover a variety of topics in this segment, Bob. And this is our chance to kind of talk about some of the information that comes out that's relatively new for health management or reproductive management. And you teach stereo here at the vet school, so do a lot of work on the reproduction side and have done research in beef cattle health of prevention, treatment, some of the different areas. So we'll cover many of those aspects. As with this episode, we'll put up some links to papers that you've been an author on that talked about some of those. So today I wanna start out talking about bulls. And our first topic here, I wanna think about bulls and bull preparation for those that might be raising bulls or for those that are getting bulls tested, yearling bulls as we get into that. So let's start out and let's talk about bulls and bull selection. So as we come about the type of weaning, you actually did some research a few years ago of how can we pick better bulls at the time of weaning that will be successful breeders in the future. And tell us a little bit
1: about what we know about bulls at weaning. Well, this question really came from some purebred producers who, you know, there's a lot, they have a lot of time and money invested in these young bulls by the time they get to be yearling age. And we as veterinarians come out and do a pre-sale breeding soundness exam on these bulls that are around yearling age. We will talk more about this. There's a certain percentage of young developed bulls that are probably never going to be highly fertile. And that's what the breeding soundness exam is designed to find and and remove those. What the producers would like to know is is there any way to know earlier in the bull's life that he's unlikely to move forward? So we worked with one purebred producer has a lot of bulls that we could evaluate. And we gathered information basically starting at weaning on through their breeding soundness exam as a yearling to see if we could predict at weaning which bulls would fail.
0: So and this is reported in a paper that was with the lead author was Dr. Tara Fountain and it came out in the Bovine Practitioner in twenty twenty. And so we'll talk a little bit about that.
1: And you wanted to look at some of those stats at weaning. So what did you measure at weaning? Well we looked at days of age, we looked at scrotal circumference, we looked at weight, we looked at scrotal circumference per day of age, and just different ways of trying to really slice up how we would look at maturity, are these bulls, uh, basically, again, our biggest concern was finding those bulls that are unlikely to pass in a few months their breeding soundness exam, and so we were kind of looking on the negative side. Was there indications fairly early on that this bull was lagging in maturity to where he ought to be. So it might be younger smaller scrotal circumference some of those things. What did you find? We found that for the most part and and again the one thing to consider and and as a practitioner each herd is going to be a little bit different and so this was in one herd pretty large herd that had you know a lot of bulls to look at. We couldn't tell a lot at weaning in that basically and maybe the problem was in this herd all the bulls had fairly decent Scrotal circumference at weaning age, and even when you looked at it, you know, scrotal circumference per day of age, or things like that, they were all pretty decent. And so, even though we did find some of those bulls that that didn't pass their BSE in a few months, at this stage, we weren't really able to tease them apart. That's not to say that, but, that they, was, but
0: they haven't had a chance to grow apart yet. Yeah, right? I, think I mean, that's so right. similar days of age, and you don't have a chance to distinguish. There wasn't as much, although you had some variability had some in some scrotal circumference.
1: We did. But then that comes back to, all right, so you're exactly right. At, from weaning until the time that they're going to be tested on a single ranch, those bulls are going to be managed very similarly. They're going to be in the similar or same housing, same or similar diets, whereas prior to weaning, each of those calves was on a different cow who had a different milk production um, and, and, of course, genetics and those types of influences. And so there's maybe more variability in their environment, if you consider milk an important part of that environment, prior to weaning and less variability in that group of bulls after weaning and so we did see some variation in scrotal circumference at weaning but it wasn't predictive of what was going to happen so i think that i was disappointed but not particularly surprised by that finding
0: and just for perspective you you had weaning scrotal circumferences that ranged from less than 24 to greater than 31. And there were really no differences in the percentables that passed their BSE
1: based on those scrotal circumferences. That's exactly right. And I hate to, I'll throw in one observation. We were underpowered to find this, but it it aligns with some of my opinions. So this is science that is uh, going to be interacting with opinion. We did see if there was anything there at the very, very largest end of scrotal circumference, maybe a little less likelihood to pass in the future. And I think the reason to think about that is, are these bulls that maybe have some, the testicles aren't quite formed right, possibly excessive fat in the scrotum, but I think this may actually have to do with a testicular integrity. And so if I had any interest, or what I would take from this study, which said basically no difference, if I was gonna take this forward to a future study, I would ask the question, are extremely small or extremely large testicles indicative of potential problems in the future. So I think that's almost what it looked
0: like. I think that's really interesting because what I would have thought going in is the bigger the testicles at weaning, presuming no pathology, but the bigger the testicles at weaning, the more likely to pass. And what you actually saw, the numbers for percent passing in this group of bulls was the upper 90s for most groups. Those that were, and the raw number, not statistically different, but those with a scrotal circumference greater than 31 was about 81% of those passed. So I'm like you, I think the take-home from this might be that's a good hypothesis for further testing. Nice. We don't we don't have the answer here in these data, but you really didn't see anything else relative to days of age, weight per days of age, weight at weaning. So at weaning,
1: we can't select which bulls are going to pass the BSE. Is
0: that your take home?
1: That's our take home, because what we wanted to find was, would it be possible to help our purebred producers avoid some of the cost of developing bulls that had a low likelihood of passing later? and. Basically, the conclusion for this producer, at least, was no, not at weaning. We couldn't really help him in that way. I want to put out some warnings of that, that may not be true for all producers uh, depending on the genetic variability of their herd, uh, their breed, the different things like that. So it may be worth looking at in individual herds, but I would also caution that based on this, I'm not real excited that we can discriminate at weaning well enough. now. And you talked about small sample size, but you had 465 bulls in that study. So it was a large ranch, so we had a pretty good sample. Multiple years. Yes. And so we had a pretty good sample size, but again, one location, one ranch. So if you're developing bulls in a different part of the country, different breeds, those types of things, I would be a little bit hesitant to say that what we found here is exactly what you're going to find someplace else. But one other aspect that maybe is part of, you know, working with purebred bull producers is... There was some selection prior to weaning. He had already chosen some bulls that were not going to be in the potential bull sale and those bulls we did not really look at. So it might have had some yeah. different prediction ability. Yeah, and that may have been, you know, bulls that were extremely small for their age or things like that, that they had already put some selection pressure on. But again, that makes it clinically relevant because as a practitioner working with a purebred producer, they're going to bring you the bulls at weaning that they're going to bring to you. Okay, so now let's shift forward and let's continue talking about bulls and what
0: how we can better predict or figure out what's going on. And let's think about the time of the BSE exam. Because a lot of times you get yearling bulls, you get their first exam, some of them don't pass, and one of the questions that was answered in this next piece of research that you were part of, and it was with Dr. Jesse Monday who really led this one, and it was evaluating yearling bulls that passed or didn't, and can we predict it at their first exam? So this was published in 2018 in JAVMA, and it was a study looking at some historic data of over 2,000 bulls from about an eight-year period. Tell me a little bit about what you found in this study.
1: Well, again, this is a similar type of question that's coming from veterinarians and bull producers. So I've got a yearling bull, and he doesn't pass his initial BSE the first time he's brought to the veterinarian. Should I keep trying and let him grow up a little bit more, mature a little bit more, and try again? Or is there a way at that first test to predict that, well, he really is one of those that's going to be a less than fertile, subfertile bull, and I can kind of make my decision earlier? So we looked at Basically, the bulls that failed their first BSE, was there any prediction of whether they were, and, and I shouldn't say fail, I should say yeah, fail I, to pass. They
0: didn't pass. There were some that failed, and then there were some that were deferred, and then there were a variety yes. of
1: reasons for that. And, and again, you know, we're talking about yearling bull BSEs, and so everybody's familiar with a bull that meets the criteria set forth by the Society for Theory of Genology, which a lot of times is tweaked a little bit for individual Herds and individual veterinarians, but if a bull that meets those criteria it would be considered passed. A bull that has some real problems, uh, maybe some pathology of the epididymis, the testicles, foot and leg problems, you know, those types of things, that would be a fail. But then we've got a lot of these young bulls that are deferred. In other words, we don't find any pathology, we don't find anything really concerning but they don't seem mature enough to be able to pass the BSE. That's the group that I'm talking about. So I misspoke before when I said bulls that failed. Actually, bulls that failed were not evaluated in this study. It was bulls that were deferred, bulls that we thought we did not detect anything wrong with them. They just didn't appear to be mature enough. So then the question was, is that group is there anything about that group that we can predict future ability to pass the BSC?
0: Okay. So let, let me give some perspective to this because these bulls were from multiple ranches. There were two thousand and sixty four Bulls, and of those bulls, 1,777 or 86% of them passed their initial BSE, right? So we're really looking at that remainder population.
1: 14, 15%. yeah. Yeah. That
0: 14% that's 287 bulls. And we wanted to figure out okay, so now should we keep testing them or not? And we had a variety of criteria on those bulls, age, breed scrotal circumference, obviously all the data collected from their initial BSE
1: that they didn't pass. What'd you find? What we found is that we could not predict at that first time. And I think, again, if you really think about what we're talking about with yearling bulls, they are going through a stage where they're changing very rapidly. That peripubertal time, these bulls are changing a lot. And again, when we say yearling bulls, I don't mean just bulls that are exactly 12 months of age. Basically, I'm saying I'm going to lump in there anything less than 18 months of age. You know, as a bull approaches 18 to 24 months of age, he's going to be what I call nearing maturity and having, I would expect that age of a bull to have no maturity problems as far as fertility standpoint. When he's, say, 10 or 11 months of age, I think he's very immature and unlikely to pass a breeding soundness exam. So these bulls change a lot between, say, 11 months of age and 16 to 18 months of age so during that five month period of time in there five to six months they change a lot and i would say that this study agreed with that so that if you're if you're truly testing a bull at say 11 to 12 months of age and he fails to pass so he's deferred how he grows over the next month to two months really separates because again we still failed some of those bulls on subsequent breeding soundness exams but their first exam didn't really predict that and it was Probably the way to answer this would be how they changed between their first and second exam was way more important than where they started after their first exam.
0: Well, and we actually looked at that. So no variable, including breed, age, scrotal circumference per day of age, sperm morphology at the initial BSE, predicted whether they were going to, after they failed their first one, we couldn't predict even using anything from the BSE of whether they would fail their second one. What was interesting, and this ties into your thought, there was an interaction between age and breed in that age, and you highlighted the ages of these bulls were 11, 12, 13, 14 months of age. As you might expect, we saw fewer pass at 11 months of age, which not Correct. surprising. But there was an interaction there with breed, and the four, four breeds in this were Angus, Charolais, Simmental, Angus, Simmental Cross. So there were some differences, which probably makes sense because does that tie into when those breeds are hitting
1: puberty, body weight, some of those factors, or what do you think is driving that? Yeah, I do think there's some breed differences in age at puberty. Those aren't well characterized. I can't really rank breeds from top to bottom as far as age at puberty, but I think most cattlemen would agree that there's some differences among breeds. All of these breeds would be, I would say it in this way, none of those breeds are particularly late maturing. Type of breeds but there's probably some differences among them but within those breeds again an 11 month old bull might pass a breeding soundness exam but he might not and maybe a, one of the take homes is don't be too critical about an 11 month old bull that fails his initial exam because there's the opportunity for him to change a lot over the next four to eight weeks Depends on which edge
0: of the spectrum. It's almost like you talk about the onset of puberty, and it doesn't matter what species we're talking about. There is no singular cut point, right? It's not like at this day of age, you start puberty. Some people started earlier. Some calves started earlier. Some calves started later. There's going to be a spread. That's exactly right.
1: And so I I think, again, I like this study. It was broad. It involved a lot of herds, involved a lot of bulls. But I think there's also something to be said for taking it back to the producers that you're working with and saying, looking at those yearling bulls, well, first of all, what age yearling, I mean, again, I think we have to be very specific about a yearling bull. Is that an 11-month-old bull or a 14-month-old bull? Because in the way we would use that language, we just call those yearling bulls. And those are pretty darn different types of bulls in their, where they are in their maturity curve. But I think both these are are
0: really good questions because you get back to, can I pick out, can I have information that will allow me to pick better bulls at weaning? Can I have information that allows me to pick bulls that are going to pass even as we get, because you said at weaning, well, maybe I'll have more information by the time we get to that first BSE. Well, even if they don't pass that first BSE, I still don't
1: have a lot more information. Right. So if I was going to work up, so there's two things here. So I think in that first paper, I would say that that bull producer is pretty happy with his overall bull development and the percentage of young bulls that are fertile and that he's able to put in the sale. There's always some that just don't pan out, and he wanted to know, can I find them earlier? And our answer was, probably not for you. The second question is, for these young bulls that fail, again, we know that some of them will go ahead and fail again and need to be removed. Is there any clues earlier? And again probably a little bit biased sampling, because we did have some dropout between the first test and the second test, and so there could have been health reasons or something like that where those bulls weren't brought back for a second exam. And you could say, well, we don't know if they would have passed or failed. So there may be some additional failures that we don't know about. But I think as we as veterinarians are giving advice to our producers, I would be a little bit slow to say that I know a bull won't go forward in time unless I really do find some pathology. You know, you find some testicular abnormalities, some epididymis abnormalities or feet and legs, you know, some structural problems. Those are probably in going to be either difficult to improve or take a long time. But if it's a an apparently healthy young bull that's still maturing, I'd let him mature and reevaluate him later.
0: Absolutely. And I think interesting work here in both cases, and you actually looked at the data, and just because you didn't find a lot of smoking guns of this means they're not going to pass or this means they will, we've at least looked at it and evaluated it on a pretty broad scope. If you're interested in learning more about either of those research projects, both of, we'll put links to both these articles on the website. And we appreciate you joining us and happy if you have any questions on repro or health you'd like us to discuss, you can send those to us at bci at ksu.edu.